Welcome to Empirical Peapod. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. If you could please subscribe, follow, share, like, comment, whatever the hell happens when we do these things. I'm your host, Tim Day. Let's get to the show. Great. Uh, so you were uh, just saying you were feeling like a youngster still. Let's tell you know what. Let's start with that idea. I'm here with Randy Ossel, who I love dearly. I'm excited to talk to you, Randy. Thank you. Hello, Tim. Thank you for the invite. Definitely honored to be part of the the collective group that has been uh, already documented. Should uh, be a fun one. Has been quite a few. Uh, you literally just had shoulder surgery a couple days before today. Uh, how are you feeling? Hmm. Uh, surprisingly good. Was it like um, an instant relief type thing? Or are you like, you're feeling like I just had surgery. I'm a little sore. Uh, you know, honestly going into it, like I, I had a little back history. I had two shoulder surgeries when I was 20 and that's what was like the root cause of this most recent one. It was just basically like they told me back then you trashed it. Uh, when you're older, you're going to have pretty bad arthritis in your shoulder. Yeah. And that is now. <laughs> right. So uh, I had kind of been battling back and forth with like some shoulder problems with staying active uh, over the last couple of years. And it just kind of got to the point where I finally got an MRI and they're like, yeah, you basically it's not dire. You can either chill out and stop doing what you're doing, which wasn't really an option, or you can go in and try to schedule a surgery. And they try to do that at the beginning of spring. And I said, can we wait until the weather turns and it starts to get crappy. And then I have no other choice but to stay in the house. Right. So they were, uh, I, at the time going into it, I felt fine. Shoulder didn't hurt, didn't have any issues. So it was a little odd going in yeah. voluntarily going in to hurt afterward. So, <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, uh, all good now. It seems really pretty much for the most part, pretty good, but they give you a nerve block, uh, the day of the surgery, uh, which basically makes it so you can't feel anything for up to 72 hours. And I'm like, just on the outside yeah. of that 72 hour window right now. Right. <laughs> so it could, could go good, could go bad. I'm just waiting to see what happens. So Fair enough. Now you just mentioned too, uh, in that explanation where they were like, you have to stop doing what you're doing. And you said, that's not an option. And what are those things? Uh, Lots and lots of stuff. So um, biggest, the biggest two things are that are contributing factors to it hurting all the time is disc golf and riding bikes, going to the gym, that kind of thing. I hung up the BMX bike uh, maybe like four years ago, five years ago after I had a back surgery. Yeah. So that pretty much killed like that whole life identity side for now, me. Like, if you don't mind, when did you start BMXing? Because that was a big part of who you were for a long time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I started in junior high. Um, we had some trails by our house and you know, when you see like an older group of kids out there riding and doing that stuff, you're kind of like, those are the neighborhood superheroes. Yeah. So you kind of look at them, idolize them. Um, that's eventually how I met Adam, uh, and a couple other, you know, local, uh, Oswego folks that were a little bit older, uh, but they were super into riding and, we kind of just looked up to that crew and it kind of went from there. I went into like racing and then into doing dirt jumping and skate parks. And it stayed with me until I was, uh, 
like 36, 37. Yeah. That's funny. I actually forgot about that because uh, I lived by those as well. I never had a, a BMX bike and I was obviously never like any kind of dirt biker, but I used to have my like little 10 speed and we would, me and Tony would ride our bikes over those dirt hills when you guys weren't using them and looking awesome. Uh, that's just crazy. Cause I feel like there was a point too, where like you were told, I feel like in your twenties to stop and you did for a little bit and then we're like, eh, I'm going to go back to it anyways. Yeah, that was uh man, just a word about the dirt hills, man. That was like a formative place. Cause that was like the, you know, it's like in Lion King when they're like, wherever the shadow touches, do not <laughs> yeah. go there. Bruh, it was right next to a real bad spot. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my parents. You know, they were just like, don't ever go over there. So naturally, yeah. a couple of my friends and I were like, yeah, we're we're going to go over there as soon as our parents aren't watching. <laughs> and then <laughs> it ended up being like the majority of my life, you know, young, younger, like teenage, early 20s, going to places like that and just finding trails and stuff. But um yeah, it uh when I was 18, 19, I started having back problems. It was right around the time I started going to DeKalb after high school to go to yeah. school out there. And uh I started having real bad back problems. I had herniated a disc in my low back when I was probably 19 and then, you yeah. know, took a good year for it to become something that I couldn't ignore anymore. Right. Well, that's a and serious then, injury. Yeah. And they told me at the time too, they're like, you have a, a serious herniation in your low back and you're, you're super young. So we hesitate to do surgery. Um, try to lay low for a little while. Don't ride, um, do more physical therapy, get into like working out your core and stabilizing your core. Cause it takes a lot of pressure off your back. Yeah. Um, I had two epidural injections at that time to try to like calm the nerves down because after it gets inflamed you pretty much stay inflamed for a pretty long period of time unless you're just laying in bed right so it got pretty serious uh and i did quit at that time for a couple years and um because that's almost coincides like to exactly when you when we formed the band and you started singing with us yeah yeah i was i was starting to I think we had started to kind of do the music like right at that same time. And I, I kind of, it was a good, good segue for me to kind of like tra channel that energy. Yeah, into I was going to say, did that feel like a nice, like, or at least I have this to kind of take this place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something like a lot of people deal with throughout your whole life too. Cause you know, you, you find things that you're passionate about. And if you, for whatever reason, find yourself not able to do them again, you kind of consider like how much of your life did you wrap around that and how much of it is part of your identity or like yeah. what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. And I didn't have the, you know, the immediate exposure to like a friend group the same way. Cause you go to a skate park, it's just a, a bunch of people hanging out with a like interest, yeah. you know, talking shit on the, this, on the, the deck up there and yeah. trying to learn tricks and stuff. So, um, naturally like going into music it was a good option too because immediately you're around a group of dudes or guys girls depending on what group you're in uh and then anytime you go out and play shows go see shows you're just around a, a huge group of people and that's something that already resonated with our whole group yeah. so for me to kind of like transition away from bmx a little bit um and then move into music it it, it was a big Big deal for me. It, it gave me a lot more to like focus on and be excited about.
But there's so, but there's definitely been a couple of times when it's like, all right, I've had to hang it up for a little bit, and then you come back to it, uh, and it kind of, I presume, it looks different. Like you're not riding, you're not riding in your mid twenties or thirties, like you're riding when you're eighteen. No, no. I mean, when I was younger, like uh, you know, the first couple of injuries I had, I was still in high school, um, and the whole time, you know, you're telling the doctor, they're telling you don't do anything anymore. Right. They're just like, just don't ride, don't right. do anything. Yeah. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm not asking you if I can ride. I'm saying, like, when, when can yeah, I when ride? When can I get you back know? on? <laughs> so it was really eager to hurry up, get through PT, get get back to being healthy again, um, get back to going to contests and going to skate parks and stuff. And yeah, every consecutive time after that, you know, it kind of chips away at your this ego that you kind of have of like, I'm somewhat invincible. And when you're younger, you bounce back really quickly. Right. Uh, and it wasn't until, you know, I had moved out to California and then we had access to all these places that I grew up watching in BMX videos or like magazines. And I was like, I live so close to this now. I, I owe it to myself at this point to kind of like, at least try to be part of that. If yeah. I can, you know, like the young me would have been like, you had an opportunity to go right. ride at these trails or go to this skate park and you didn't. Uh, so my brother moved out to California uh, maybe a few years after I did. And then we started kind of exploring some of those places. Uh, broke, broke my elbow, got a, got a concussion, <laughs> ended up having back surgery. So it was, it was a, a couple years of, uh, deep diving into like trying to make some dreams happen from, you know, like a younger age, but yeah. it took its toll on me pretty good. And then I think <laughs> after the back surgery, I was like, okay, time to hang this one up. I think I I've done enough with this, this side of it. And then shortly after that, I tried to still stay involved by shooting photos at contests. Yeah. Uh, and that didn't last super long. Cause we ended up moving, moving away from California and then BMX scene is, totally different you know outside of southern california so because you're in colorado now what uh is there a bmx i know there's a lot of hiking in colorado of course there's a lot of hiking in california is there a bmx scene where you're at now there is there there is everywhere for the most part it's just like different degrees um things are more spread out here i would say it's more mountain biking and uh what they call djs or dirt jumpers uh, which is like kind of like an in-between uh, that a lot of old BMXers will transition into a dirt jumper. It's like a little bit bigger, bigger wheels, bigger bike, but it's not quite a mountain bike. Right. And it's made to take more abuse. So there's a little bit more of that out here. Um, I still have a mountain bike, still go out and try ride trails and stuff like that, but it's not nearly the same. It's more like hike a bike yeah, kind of deal. You're out there sightseeing, hitting some trails and just trying to cover ground. You're not trying to do tricks or jump stuff. So. Do you feel still find that same enjoyment? Like I know it's different, like ripping a BMX and like doing insane things, but still just being out there on a bike, like is it sa- as satisfying? Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> Short answer, no. No. That's something you chase like your whole life, I think. I, I yeah. you know, I still keep up on a lot of the bike companies and the contests and stuff, and I'll watch the videos and you know, very physiological response to like being used to this my whole life is like, I will put myself in the head place of somebody that's going to do a trick or like, or watch a video and, and try to think about like what they're thinking about right. in that situation, you know, it makes your palms sweat, yeah. your heart race a little bit and you kind of feel 
that that like um, not not anxiety but like that excitement you know because yeah. it's a little bit uncertain right uh but you just have to kind of have like a confidence to go i'm ready for it i'm going for it or i'm not and i need to like practice some things before i get to that point and that for sure that the absence of that has been uh telling for sure i mean I, like for a while i didn't know what to do after the yeah. back surgery i was like i don't even know what to replace this with because there's nothing comparable. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, shortly after that, I kind of got into disc golf again after years of not playing. You know, we grew up at Oswego. Like we obviously had the course there in Jericho and stuff. Yeah. There was a lot of nice courses around there. Yeah. Yeah. And there is, there's even more so now. And That's true. Um, it's crazy. So I, I started doing that again and it immediately again, it was like the, the key components of that are, you have a, a community group built into it of other people that are going there that you constantly see and connect with. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the competitive component of it, which is not necessarily competitive in the sense like team sports. I've never been like a team sports person. Right. But, uh, and that's why BMX was like a big deal for me is it's very individualized and push yourself and, you know, push against your, your mind, you know, you really, yeah. your mind is the biggest blocker for a lot of that stuff. So, right. Um, yeah. So it's been, I feel like it's one of those, uh, communities that's still like, uh, really supportive though, too, where it's like, yeah, you might be in a competition or even with disc golf too, but like everybody wants everybody to do well. Right. Cause then the scene does well. Right. Like, and then, so you're c- competitive, but also being like, ah, oh, you beat me. Nice work though. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I would go to contests and shoot photos and stuff too, um, even at the, like the, the highest level, you know, with like pros, everybody's cheering each other on, you know, and if someone goes down, someone gets hurt, everybody feels it. Everybody, nobody is like yeah. going cool. Now I'm going to get third instead of fifth, you know, right. like yeah, nobody's hoping anybody gets hurt or hoping anybody does bad. Everybody wants to see somebody push progression to another level yeah. and it's crazy now because the level from when, when I was kind of like in the deepest part of like BMX for me versus what it is now. And the reality of what kids can do now is it's just unreal. And, uh, watching the progression of that happen over the course of like, I think I started in like, like 1997, something like that from there to now it's, it's like a completely different, world it's unreal yeah i love seeing those kind of progressions like the only thing i could really like wrestling has changed like that as well not that i'm a wrestler but i watch it and i like watching a match from 30 years ago versus today is insane skateboarding is a huge one also like it's insane what the people can do (laughs) oh yeah yeah we watch a lot of that stuff too like red bull tv has like a free streaming channel that kind of breaks up a bunch of different action sports and they'll show like little documentaries about stuff like that. And it'll be, we watched one about Ryan Sheckler recently. Oh, nice. And, yeah. uh, he, the town that he lives in is real close to where I lived when I was in California. And there's all these places that they go throughout the documentary and they're trying to like land these tricks at these places. And I'm like, I walked past that spot a hundred times. I lived there. And to visualize it and see it and watch what they did on the video and just hear all the injuries and all like the adversity that they had gone through in, in their career, regardless of the pro, like that's engaging to me. I'd rather watch that than 
anything else on TV most of the time, because it's a true story of somebody really loving something and then putting their all into it. And even against the odds of like being hurt or having people, you know, not agree that they could do something, them just pushing through and, and kind of making it through there. And it's just like a, a good life lesson and a good thing to remember. You know, a lot of people feel, I think that depending on their situation, they might feel crippled to be able to actually change their situation. Yeah. And it's, it's usually the scenario is usually, I'm trying to remember like the phrase it's like, it's simple, but not easy, right? right? Like the simple fix in theory but the work to get there may not be easy. And yeah. that's a, a huge component of action sports. Uh, and I try to carry that with me as much as I can, you know, regardless if it's changing jobs, moving, you know, going through life experiences and stuff, just kind of got to go put on your big boy pants and go out there and do what you can, you know? Yeah. But yeah, best thing you can do most of the time. Uh, I know we just covered a big chunk of uh, at least something you're extremely passionate about, but now let's go back uh when have you always been in oswego uh yeah most uh pretty much most of my life up until i moved to california like but you were Um, born like where your parents i've been to your parents house a bunch that's the uh is that where you started uh so i was born in aurora um i lived there uh until i was two and then my parents got the house in oswego so i have no memory of of being in Aurora at all, yeah. but it was yeah. like east east side of Aurora, kind of by, kind of by East High School. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but grew up in that house, same house. Which my whole life? Which elementary school did you? Because back then there was probably only one. Or did you go to Boulder Hill, or did you go to Eastview? Yeah, interesting part there is uh, because my mom had my brother right around the time I was starting school. Yeah, um, she was able to stay home for part of it um, while she was on maternity leave. But then when she went back to school or back to work, uh, I switched schools. So initially I went to Eastview. Uh, Cause and, we were in a, I was, you know, I lived on in almost the exact same area on yep. the opposite side of the river of Oswego. Cause I was yep. in Fox chase and you were in the older neighborhood right next to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I started at Eastview and then when my mom went back to work, we had to go to like a babysitter that was in Boulder Hill and she lived like a block away from Long Beach Elementary. So I pretty much met a group of friends up until like maybe like second grade or something yeah. like that at Eastview. And then I switched schools, met a whole nother group of people. And then to throw it even weirder <laughs> uh, after that, instead of going to Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. You ended up back in Trauber. I went back to Trauber. Yeah. So it was like this, there was weird gap of time of like knowing people, but then not knowing. Yeah. That's silly. Like, cause to give you anybody that doesn't know an idea, Long Beach is literally down the street from Thompson. So to go there for elementary school and then back to the complete opposite end of town, which is Trauber, which is right next to Eastview. That just sounds stupid. (laughs) Yeah. It was weird. It made for like a weird, uh, like friendship kind of navigation standpoint. Like I kind of knew people a little bit, um, but you know, the, the benefit part is like after junior high, like I think when you're that young, you're like, you're pretty adaptable and it doesn't really matter too much. 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I got to think I, that by the time we got to high school, it was kind of almost a reunion. Oh yeah. 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 That was, that was a cool part is like when, when all of those schools merged into the high school, I knew a ton of people. Um, I, I would say most of my friends were older though. Yeah. Uh, I think as, that, aren't you a year? Are you, are we in the same group or are you a year younger than I am? I think I'm a year younger. Yeah. I think we're like the same age per near. Just, I think your birthday's later. Yep. October, October birthday. Yeah. And, uh, right. I was uh, 2002. I graduated early okay. in 2002. And I graduated early in 2001. My birthday's in April. So I think that's like where the cut is. Since you were in the fall, you were in the next class. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. It was, it was cool to, uh, to have the opportunity to know more people, but it was weird. Cause they were like very, a lot of the, the friendships at that point had kind of felt not as like tightly ingrained as somebody who probably went to like yeah. a grade school for like five years or something like that. Got to figure that they're pretty tight in their groups at that point, And you kind of almost feel like a floater in both groups. Yeah. And you know, I, I really gravitated more toward all the skate park kids and like the older generation of, people that were like, you know, a year or two older that had pretty much gone to the skate parks and stuff like that. And, um, wasn't as connected to some of the other people that growing up had kind of found their way more into like, they were the football players and, yeah. you know, it's like the, the quintessential like division yeah. of high right. school. Yeah. Every trope that exists. Like. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it was never like a, never like bad blood or like never, yeah, yeah. you know, anything like that. It was just kind of like, that's where I slotted in and felt most comfortable, but it made it, you know, reasonably comfortable. Cause I knew a ton of people at least like surface level to just say, Hey, and be comfortable with people. So. Yeah, it was those beautiful bleached locks. <laughs> uh, oh Lord, yeah, that, their hair was so bleached that uh, you could break off like a, a half inch of it if you just pulled on it. That's my favorite picture of you as a teenager with just the top bleached, looking all beautiful. <laughs> uh, dude, I've got a, I've got a couple horrific photos of that where I just, I think in high school I just legitimately did not care. Yeah, it's like. I think that's a good attitude for a high schooler, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you stay safe. Yeah. Just get get through school. Do what yeah. you got to do. Do what you can to get outside of, out of those walls, you know? Yeah. I maintain as much of your sanity as possible. Yeah. Uh, so uh, after high school, then, did you go to college? I did, yeah. So I graduated high school early. Um, so I've been January 2002? Yep. And then immediately started taking some uh, classes at Wabonzi. And I think that was like right around that time that we were kind of forming the band stuff right there too, right? Uh, I know Jay and I were playing already uh, since like 2000, 2001 and uh, just trying to put together a group of musicians that would actually stick. Yeah. Uh, because Guy had ended up going away <laughs> We jammed with Guy, and it was awesome. And then he's like, I'm going to go to college. Yeah. <laughs> and then he went away. And then, uh, yeah, because we didn't record. We recorded our first couple of tracks in, like, 04, uh, which were very rough demos. And I think that's the first thing that you got. Uh, but there was a lot of buzz that we were jamming and kind of seeing what was going to be happening. Yeah, it was uh, 
I'm just trying to place like the timing of that stuff because it would have been like 2004, five or something like that. Then five is when we recorded the Orange album, so that's when it was the would have been official. But if, you know, we did our first show in December of '04 because you and I weren't 21 yet. <laughs> yeah, I remember that for sure. There was a couple of shows we played where I was definitely not. We played with with Blackout at Jake's Bagels. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bar at the time. I think it's Jake's Bagels now. I think the Pimps were on that show also, actually. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I remember being. I think I was like 20, maybe yeah. maybe even 19 or something like that. It was like clearly like, I was like, I don't know if we're even going to be able to get in right now. Yeah, we did. You know, maybe it was maybe we did their first demo stuff in '03 where we recorded just the music and shopped it around. So it would have been like just during or right after your first year of college where we were like, Oh, Hey, we've got this. If you want to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I did. I did go to college. Uh, I, I think from, from like high school age because of the exposure I was, I was working with uh, the bike shop in Plano mudslingers. Yeah. Uh, and because of that, I had gotten to go to trade shows in mm-hmm. Las Vegas uh, and got to see more facets of the the bike industry. And, you know, as like a young kid, I was like, all I want to do is be part of a bike company. I want to work at a bike company in California somewhere. So my route into that was I could be a graphic designer working for a bike company. So I, I went to school for graphic design and started to do that at Wabonzi. And then halfway through the first couple of years there, uh, I got exposed to sociology and as part of like some prerequisite classes and it kind of pushed me into this idea of like maybe i'll do that instead so i started to kind of like halfway minor in sociology and we'll learn more about psychology yeah um and then ultimately we had to take a class uh that it was kind of like a gatekeeper for whether or not you think you're going to be able to make it in sociology because at the time it was like you're either going to be a sociology teacher or you're going to be a social worker right and the job prospects for that are way more slim than it was for me to go do design yeah did either of those appeal to you uh the teaching side yes the the, being a social worker i think being like more like an like on the empathetic side of things like i was not convinced that i was going to be able to separate my work life from everything I was exposed to during the yeah. day. Yeah. And then that was a big point of it. Like they make you watch these documentaries about what the realities of it to go. If this is what you're in for, if you're in for this degree and you want to pursue this, you got to be able to compartmentalize this stuff. Cause a lot of people that get into any kind of therapy situation or it's like sociology or psychology where you're dealing with, very heavy subject matter with individuals, it can take a pretty heavy toll on you psychologically. Yeah. It's hard to have those boundaries and like really maintain them. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was honest with myself at that point and I was like, I don't think this is smart for me. So I'll just kind of back pocket it. Um, and then continued doing design. And then from there I went to Waban or Wabanzi. I went from Wabanzi to, DeKalb went to Northern to finish my degree there. Uh, took forever. Yeah. And I actually forgot that until you just said that because we actually spent some time up there. 
yeah. part, partied up there a bit. And yeah. it, was, it was a little wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I, I lived with a, a buddy of mine that I rode bikes with. He was like on his like last year or two living there, and his parents had a uh, they had a home up there that they just let us rent. Yeah, that so, house was awesome. Yeah, I was lucky. I didn't. I never had to live like the college dorm life. Uh, yeah. I was either commuting back and forth to school, or for I think like a year, I lived at that house, which was pretty cool for what it was. It was interesting. Um, I still never like got really super into like the whole college lifestyle there, where I was like going out and drinking. I was pretty, yeah, pretty much like bikes, band, school. It was like business time, you know. Try to get. Probably for the best because at that time, there I believe Star Bar out there would do like two dollar you call it's and they were like thirty two ounce cups, <laughs> and it was absurd. Yeah, because uh, I know Nick was out there for a spell and Jason and I would hang out as well. Uh, and Nick was at uh, we partied with us at your house before too, and it's it could turn into a shit show real fast. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I've got photos from one of the nights we all were. <laughs> I think. I think there was a punching bag in the basement. I think that there's like a pretty awesome photo of JK. Yeah. Like he, he punched and his like his fingers like bleeding and there's like a flap of skin hanging out. That's true. Was, yeah. yeah. We had, we had a good time. It was a super fun time. So Yunker kicked my pants off or yeah. maybe Jason did. I was wearing, I used to wear the snaps back then. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kicked at them and they just, they were gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good times all together, man. It was a, a cool little pocket of time. And then it also was, you know, we were playing shows in DeKalb too. So yeah. autos in the house, you know, those, there's a couple of those venues up there. So we were able to kind of like promote a little bit more. Cause I think Jay came up there a bunch as well. I, I, I want to say, I don't remember if he took classes there. I thought he did. Cause I remember at one point he was putting stickers all over the campus. And that's one of the reasons we got a show. Yeah, is that this band hit us up and they're like, like I think the email was stickers everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, all right, and then we ended up playing a show at Autos with them, and come to find out that that dude used to play guitar with Blackout at one point too. So oh, it was nice, like this crazy little circle. Yeah, I remember you and I having to promote a show at the house. We went and saw Dustin Kensru and to fly hand out flyers. And I kept falling asleep because I had just worked all day. And then we had to go and do this. Like, obviously, I love Dustin Kennedy. I wanted to see the show. But I'm like sitting up against the wall, just 100% asleep. And you're like, we got to pass out flyers. Yeah, there's I don't I don't miss that part of it. You know, no, people no, not at all. handing out stuff. And you might as well just say, hey, you throw this away for me. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> man, nobody cares. I, Especially my favorite is when we would print like a thousand little two song things with flyers in them and then go to like big shows in Chicago and hand them all out, which is that part's awesome. But I feel like nobody, there was no return on investment for that. No, no. The the money spent, the time spent, and then you'd be walking back to the car feeling accomplished that you got rid of all those CDs. (laughs) And then you look down and you're like, oh, we're walking on all of them. (laughs) People just threw them on the ground. Or, yeah, uh, or, yeah. or we went to Naperville one time and we went to the dorms out there and started passing out flyers for like a Naperville show at like Rizzo's or something like that. And yeah. I remember we got an email from the police that said, <laughs> uh, 
if you guys ever fly out here again and we see all the litter from that, yeah. we're going to give you a ticket. And I was like, ah, <laughs> we got, we got some work to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, how did you end up in the band then? Do you remember the, well, like exactly how that went down? Uh, I, yeah, maybe, maybe a, some conjuring of old <laughs> memories. We'll, we'll pull this up. I think, for me, I had started jamming with Posty and Tom Gray uh, yeah. a couple years before that. Was there a thing called Clean Sweep? Yes. <laughs> yes. And So where, the, where, where does that happen then? That's got to be why you're even maybe before college. Uh, yeah, it was probably around that time, you know, that transition between high school and college. Because uh, yeah. I remember, it, actually it was, because I remember Posty being the crafty fellow that he was, uh, got a hold of some hall passes, like a, a stack of them. Yeah. And he would come into my room, wherever I was at, like in the high school or whatever. He knew like what class I had. He would roll in and be like with a, a forged pass to, <laughs> to get me out. And they'd be like, I gotta go. I gotta go to the doctor right now. Like, you know, yeah, they, I didn't even know about this, you know, and they just <laughs> pretend I didn't know Posty. And then we would go to Tom's house. We'd leave early. We'd go to Tom's house and go jam. We didn't really ever record anything or to my knowledge, even like really finish any songs. <laughs> <laughs> we just jammed a bunch and uh, played in his basement and probably like a year and just didn't nothing materialize. We just kind of kept jamming. Yeah. At that time, though, was it even already in your head like you could or wanted to be a lead singer? uh, That was where I was really trying to figure it out. You know, at that time, like, I obviously had been to a ton of shows and something I was like, ah, maybe, maybe this would be cool. It was like a good opportunity for me to kind of like go, is this something I'm even capable of? Does it sound like I have like anything I can even like work on? Do I know what type of music I want to slot into? Yeah. So a lot of exploration with not a lot of background knowledge. And um, I think that was like the initial initial point where we had played a couple cover songs. And I was like, oh, yeah, I think I can maybe do this. Uh, and then when that ended, oddly enough, you had came over and jammed and left your bass cab there. I've done and that was, a lot. <laughs> I think it was there places. for like two years or something like that in his basement. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, cause you would jam with them for a little bit and then, or like yeah. at least a couple of times. Right. I was an absolute like bass whore anywhere that would let me play. I would bring my stuff. I'd often leave it there like for years at a time. Cause especially if we're like, Oh, we'll do this again. And I'm like, I'm going to be sure that that's true by leaving my stuff here. I'm basically like a parasite that's spreading around. <laughs> Well, I mean, the gear is big too, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, from any to any time loading in and out of shows, like it was just always a chore. We're like, all right, we need two, at least two people to yeah. handle this cab because it's serious. Well, it was always you and me also. Because yeah. The other guys had their own gear. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. Man, Joe, Jay always had so much. And then yeah, guy had that, the whole command center. Yeah. Give it, give it to the, the dude with the broken back. Well, it's funny because oh. you're the like you're the nicest boy because you help with everybody and the rest of us are like I'm like Jay will get his stuff and Jay's like Tim will get his stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it was 
the labor of love, man. Coming home at like two in the morning after a show and loading back in in the middle of winter and just be like, yeah, why do we do this? Yeah, that was the worst is having to get like having to pack it all up, drive like sometimes we play out in Wisconsin where we're driving hours, play for 30 minutes to nobody, drive hours back, set all the gear back up and then finally go home and sleep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got a a firm case of tinnitus from all of those years. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I think think the starting point then was... We had that demo. I know at one point we gave you a couple, like I think four songs that had our initial four songs on it that were like done, at least from a musical standpoint. We we had none of us had any idea what was going to happen lyrically. Uh, that we recorded it with Andy, and then I think we just gave you that, or somebody gave you that, and eventually you were just like showed up in the basement. Yeah. Yeah, it was at your house. And I think when when uh, Zach was there as well. So we were. Uh, I I don't really remember how Clean Sweep like just kind of like dissolved. Yeah. It was barely hanging on anyway. So it's not <laughs> like there was a lot of like convincing or ideas back, passing back and forth of like, oh, should we just you know call it or whatever. So yeah, um, I think I had wanted to do something more consistently too you know and it, it was going to give me an opportunity to go okay i mean maybe we'll see if i like the music of and these yeah. guys like w- what i have to bring to the table maybe we'll see how it goes and do you remember what that was like to kind of go from like doing a couple of cover songs and some incomplete like working on stuff to now here's a group that's already got uh of extremely small library but like done songs quote unquote and having to kind of write your own stuff now yeah uh nerve-wracking <laughs> you know because if you don't have previous like experience where like oh, i've done this before i could do it again it was kind of like all yeah. right well pressure's on like try to do that you know and then you pump out the most juvenile lyrics you've ever created in your entire life <laughs> yeah as well, a, even as a writer thing. though like it's got to be hard to find a stopping point right like where you're like this is good because no matter what you're going to read it and be like, I, I hate this still. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's true at any point in time too. It's like, even if you've got 10 records behind you, you kind of, yeah. you kind of have that like self doubt, you know, like you're, you're, you agree that you can create something, but I think you can chip away at something forever. And I think that's a crippling point for a lot of people who create stuff is at some point you just got to go, this is a period of time and this is going to note, that period of time and then you could move yeah. forward and take what you can moving that's actually absolutely critical like to really understand and feel that genuinely to be like this is this moment uh, and i can't uh, in 10 years i can't look back and hate it even though i'll be at a place where i want to it's a representation of now yeah yeah and i think everybody feels that. i'm sure you felt the same you know like anytime you like when you go back back and play even yeah. when we would play songs we would play them differently after oh, yeah. a year then we recorded it and it was just this constant evolution of like oh well we found a more dynamic or like cooler way to add some life to this song that previously on the re- recording when we recorded it we were excited about and then now we're like mm. You know, you want to, yeah, yeah. you want to re-edit and re-scrub everything. And, but knowing that, you know, like, and also being in design and in the creative industry, that's also a huge component of that too. You, a lot of times you have deadlines and things 
you just have to create, you have to be okay with it. It might not be perfect. You got to move forward and take what you learn and move, move that into the next project and let it, that be the bettering point for that project. So, yeah. Do you, were you, were you at all like intimidated? Like, I know we were already all friends by the time we started uh, playing together, but like realistically, like Jay is uncomfortably good at the drums. Uh, oh, yeah. At that time, young you know, guy wasn't in the band yet. Younker was in the band, and Younker is a classically trained musician who's amazing. And then I'm whatever. But like, was it tough to kind of plug into that? Because realistically, you, like you took it to like a fish to water, but you weren't you didn't have a history of this, and you weren't necessarily trained in it at that point. Uh, I mean, I think it's inspiring, right? Like you you hang out with people that are clearly capable of doing what needs to be done to write good songs. And you know, that you guys had a lot more time in than I did. And I felt like it made me go, okay, I, if I'm going to be part of something, and this is applicable for me for like everything throughout my whole life. It's like, if I choose to be part of something, I'm, I'm like all in, I, yeah. I can't really like halfway be part of something. It just isn't really like in my nature. Cause if I'm doing something, I genuinely want to like do the best I can. And being around you guys and seeing the fact that you had already been at this like songwriting level to where you could put this stuff together, you could comfortably jam and like pull things out of jams was like, okay, now I need to kind of sit back, listen, absorb like how they do it and then slot in where I can and then learn as much as I can as well. So, you know, it's, I, I would say it was, yeah, intimidating for sure uh, for a little bit, but also exciting and fun you know like i i kind of feel like rising to those challenges is what this is kind of what drives you to like even like action sports and everything else too it's like yeah. it's something that's going to be intimidating that's not ever going to go away it's like right. how you interface with it is the only control you actually have so it's like you have to decide for yourself how you react to that and it was either run away and go i can't do this this is scary <laughs> or you got to go give it hell and they'll tell you if it sucks. <laughs> so. Yeah. It was always inspirational. Like, I feel like we were never necessarily good at writing songs. We just got lucky like 30 times. <laughs> like, did you ever have, I think it was odd. Cause usually you would have, I like guess there'd be like a singer songwriter, or at least you would like have lyrics and a melody. And then you kind of build something to that. And we always wrote our songs like me, Jay, Guy, or me, Jay, and Ray, uh, Yunker would write the music, and you would kind of plug in lyrics because you, I can't think of a time when you changed because we were always like, what do you want the music to do to make the lyrics work? You always made the lyrics fit in around the music, which I was always incredibly impressed by. Uh, also, the content of your lyrics I've always loved. But was that a challenge for you, or did it, or did it just become like, oh, this is just how we write our music? I think it was that, you know, yeah. like, and it's weird because uh, I I honestly felt like after watching lots of music documentaries and like DVDs of bands recording and you find out that's not abnormal, <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, well, like Linkin Park does this too, <laughs> you know, like uh, I'd watched a bunch of different videos where, you know, Chester or somebody else, when they're talking about writing, it's, it's very much the same way we would sit in a room, we'd jam, we'd pull out parts identify verse chorus bridge very basic structure you know knowing that that would stretch and finesse as we like played songs longer and yeah. and there was more like after all the pieces were in like a melody then you can kind of embellish and 
you know, lengthen and do all that stuff. And because we had that understanding of like, let's get those core pieces in place. It gave me enough to go. If I can hear that those pieces are there and we can record it, I can on the fly when we're in the jam, ad lib something that's like nonsense, garbage lyrics, just to kind of get the melody down and take that home and then work on that and actually fix like legitimate, like content behind it that has like a thematic thread. Yeah. Um, But that was, that was it though. Like you guys made it easy by saying like, let's work these out. And I think we got to a point where when we were trying to be most productive, we would say at the end of today, let's make sure we get a clean recording of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Right. And then that's enough. And then I can come back and write. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, you guys made that part super easy. And then I just had to kind of like grab onto that and then figure out how I could adapt from there. And if I wanted to say, maybe this part goes longer or they're softer or maybe something drops out, which I think happened pretty seldom. Like, like you were saying, like I didn't really, change the songs very often if at all um but i knew it was that was like a comfortable way of working for us so yeah it definitely worked out well the uh one of the things you had just mentioned too was um kind of this uh this idea of uh humming nonsense along while we were jamming because i think that it's critical that you were there while we were making stuff up or just free jamming Cause that's when we would kind of pull parts out and be like, Oh, this goes with this, or this is in the same key. Like let's work on this and stuff like that. And uh, I've never known. I've always been curious because like I can jam with Jay and we're musical soulmates and can lock in and it's, you get goosebumps when you're on the same page because you're making changes at the same time, even though you haven't talked about it or even looked at each other. And I can do that with Gaia as well. And it's different as a singer so I'm curious if you ever had those goosebump moments where like you're hitting the melody as we're doing it or the first time maybe that you had like you tried out the lyrics and it just fit perfect. If you ever had those goosebump moments in practice. Yeah. Yeah. I think, the, um, you know, much the same. Like I think that especially in the later, you know, like the last record, we I think we we're really comfortable working together. And I think we could kind of just whether we we're playing live or jamming, we kind of just look around the room and make yeah. eye contact and go. <laughs> I see it, you know, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, what's coming, you could feel something building or like you, you knew where something could slot in. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, you know, some, some uh, more so than others. There was definitely times when I like came in with something, I'm like, this is gonna be awesome. And I go in <laughs> and then I get into the jam where, you know, I can like fully, uh, fully be like as loud as I want. Cause most of the time when I would yeah. write, I would be writing like in my car uh, with an iPad and a mic um, mainly. So I didn't disrupt everybody in my house right. uh, making a bunch of noise. So, you know, I was really, it was really attenuated. So I didn't really have like full range, you know, at that point to go, I know how this is going to be when we jam. And then when it's full volume with, the, with everybody playing, it gives you an idea of like placement where everything can go. And then if it's going to lock in or if where I had sat that melody just doesn't work. And there's been a couple of those songs where, uh, where I felt like it really kicked in and I was like, yes, this is, this feels right. And then immediately recoil for some of them where I go, (laughs) 
No way. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> way off. <laughs> yeah. That makes yeah. That's awesome. Uh, it's also funny to me that I've now I've talked to Jay, I've talked to Guy, and I've talked to you now, and I don't think I've mentioned the name of the band once on the show. Let's <laughs> uh, keep it mysterious. Well, yeah. yeah, I would love to one day do a like if we're all ever in the same place at once, it'd be fun to do a group like a roundtable of all four of us. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if that uh, I don't know if we'll ever all be in one spot. Yeah, I know. I occasionally talk to Dave Hughes about that stuff too. You know, I know he's he's trying to recruit us for the uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, show. I've had Dave on the show also. Still didn't name the. I've had Yunker on the show. Still didn't name the band. <laughs> yeah, it's been an ongoing theme. Yeah, it's one of those things. If you know, you know. I think I did put the uh, a link to the album, so you can at least go to Spotify or Amazon and listen to it. I just never mentioned any of it. <laughs> yeah, added ten years later, 10, <laughs> yeah. 10, twelve years later, something like that. My favorite thing when people are like, "Dang, they just put this album out in like twenty twenty two. That's awesome." I'm like, uh, no, that was like twenty twelve <laughs> or twenty ten. Jeez, yeah, twenty ten. Yeah, even worse. <laughs> Lots of pre-gray hair years there so <laughs> yeah well we're we're seasoned yeah is, has what's happened does it blow your mind that like we didn't do music pretty much at least not ap for the all of our 30s yeah i mean you know I, it's such a weird component because it was like very mono focused for that whole yeah. time period those and like six years or so it was so focused and then realistically looking back it was not that long of a time yeah. Well, like when I think about that, our first show with Guy was January of 08. And by 2010, it was our last show. I can't fathom that. It was only like two and a half years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there was a couple years before that with Yunker, too. So, yeah, yeah. All the way back to 05 for sure. 04 was our first yeah. shows. But it did go quick. Uh, we covered a lot of ground and played with a lot of bands and did a lot of stuff. So, um, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. At that time, like, I, I, th- I was conflicted for sure, you yeah. know, cause it's like after so many years of doing what we were doing and then also like being done with college and going yeah. like, okay, we could continue doing this, but are we, are we moving forward? Is, is the scene moving forward too? Like, I think at that right. time, the scene at large, like a lot of bands were just kind of going, it felt like it was going away fast. Yeah. It was like, and it was a bummer. You know, I think we felt like, we had played as many of the local shows as we could and kind of burnt that out. And we could tap that and go every holiday. We're going to go do a holiday show. It's going to be cool. It's going to be Halloween, Christmas, you know, like whatever, like summer shows. But when it came to like playing in the city or doing anything else, it started to kind of wind down after 2008 where, you know, the economic crisis kind of happened. And then a bunch of bands that we had either played with or like were doing much better than we were. They were all like, dissolving too yeah. and i was just kind of like man it feels like the scene is really falling apart and i still in the back of my mind was like i'm done with school i still want to chase that i don't want to be done with music or at least this chapter but i gotta i gotta start pushing you know right. like on a direction here that is going to make some change and that's what inevitably kind of like pushed pushed me to get into you know, eventually moving to California. I, yeah. Uh, it was, you know, 2008. Uh, I graduated, got a job right away. It was like, 
quintessential, you know, to the plan, go to school, go to college, get a job, got a career. And I was like, cool, it's working. This is like storybook. Right. Well, you busted your ass for it and then made it happen for sure. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, but it was, it was like the legends are true. You know, (laughs) if, if you put the time in, it'll work. And, you know, I think, 2008 happened and then everything just fell out. I lost that job. I was back doing painting and construction. Yeah. That was pretty sparse. Even at that time, it was just kind of like week to week. It could change. Um, and then that's all, all I had was the band, you know, right. at that time. And it was awesome. I think uh, yeah, I was in the same boat. Cause I was, I always just got a job around the band. Like as long as I could still, man, I remember working at Guitar Center too, where their whole thing is like your band comes first. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a big deal. You know, a lot of people, everybody was going through it. You know, and, and just kind of just going, all right, well, we'll continue doing what we're doing. Yeah. And I think uh, you know the the tipping point for that was when we a whole bunch of us went to that. Uh, it was a three eleven day in Vegas, and then went to San Diego. Yeah afterward and that was kind of like do you say that's where the seeds were planted oh yeah yeah for me to actually get up and go yeah for sure because i mean you know up to that point i had been to california when i was like super young like too young to care i you know like at the age when you go on a vacation all you care about is the hotel swimming pool you don't care where (laughs) you're at right and um you know going getting the opportunity to actually go there. I was like, cool. It was like middle of winter. It was like March, maybe the end of winter, but it was still crappy in Illinois. And we ended up going and, uh, you know, Jay, Jay went on the same trip. And when we went out the first morning that we were in San Diego, we didn't plan it. We were just walking separately, uh, down, down the block, like on the coastline. And we just bumped into each other on different blocks and we were kind of looking around. I was like, you can live here. <laughs> like, this is literally like the phrase that we bring up all the time is like, this is an option. Yeah. You know, because up to that point, you don't really think it's an option coming from the Midwest. And like, certainly like having like very little money yeah. scraping with the job. I was like, this is certainly not an option for me right now. But how do I backtrack, you know, from the goal of going, oh, this is what it is. This is what it takes. This is how I could possibly get there. Yeah. I kind of came home with like a, a little bit of a recharge of going, how, how do I work backward and get to that point? And when was that trip? Do you remember? Um, was that March of 2010? It's gotta be. Yeah. It's gotta be right around there. Uh, Cause I was going to say, cause yeah, we finished the album in 2010 somewhere. I don't even probably around July, maybe August, June, somewhere in there. Somewhere in the summer. Yeah. And then, because we, it was pretty fast that you made your decisions, though, because then our last show was September. Yeah, I think it might have been the year before, because it took me a full year. Okay, so try 2009. Yeah, it took a it took a full year of applying and trying Yeah, to get somebody to care, you know, <laughs> and legitimately like the job that I got, they told me no three times. And then finally I was in the basement working on my BMX bike. Yeah, I just got new handlebars and I was like cutting these handlebars and <laughs> just kind of thinking like, ah, oh, you know, I'm 
going to go to the skate park tonight. It'll be fun, whatever. And they call me and they're like, Hey, you still serious about this job? I'm like, you guys said no three times. Like, yes, yes. I've said <laughs> I'm good for this like several times. And they're like, all right, you can do it. And I was like, uh, what is happening nice. right now? That's awesome. So, but then you knew in 2009 that you were going to leave, but, but still we're like, we should definitely record this last album. Yeah. And spend yeah, all I mean, this money on this album. <laughs> well, there was no, there was no, you know, for sure that it was going to happen. Sure. You know, it, was, yeah. it was just kind of like pulling strings until something yeah. clicked, you know? And, then, and until then business as usual. Right? For sure. Yeah. You know, you couldn't, I couldn't bank on anything. It like, it was a super long shot because especially yeah. at that time, they were not hiring people from like out of state. Most yeah. places I talked to said, if you don't live within a hundred miles of here, we're never going to pay for you to move here. Right. And if you can't get here on your own, we don't care. We've got applicants. Yeah. So I, I just thought that when I tried to, I tried to get a job in decal, I mean, in uh, Colorado before I went out to Jay's and it was like the same thing where it's like, we, we, we could interview you today, but you're not here. Yeah. Yeah. It was disheartening, you know? And I was like, no matter how bad I wanted it, it was, there was a huge roadblock. So to me, I was like, like you said, business as usual, I'm going to continue to put everything I got into the things that I'm doing, you know, and the band working on that record. By that time we had learned a hell of a lot more about recording and writing. And I think when the first time we recorded with, uh, with Dave Hughes, it was like, that was a huge learning experience for all of us, I think. Don't you love that story about how you're the prima donna coming in hungover on that, on that first meeting? Yeah, and I don't even really drink that much. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and you're and like, like the sweetest in, man. <laughs> I come in like looking like the asshole. That's just like, oh yeah, everybody wait on me, and you know, I I forgot honestly that I was even. I thought we were going to record just like guitar and drums and yeah you know instrument stuff and then uh i had had that clothing company at the same time we had a wakeboard event that we sponsored out in like ottawa or something like that and i got drunk <laughs> i had a good time we had a, we had a pretty rowdy evening out there and then i got up and it was like i have to be at the studio and my tent is covered in sand i feel <laughs> like hell <laughs> so i went home showered and i went to the studio and i think i recorded one song uh front to back like with like two takes so i was like this is gonna work and then i think we started doing the second song and i was like i can't do this <laughs> and i remember that was the first time meeting dave too and dave was kind of like oh, okay <laughs> this guy yeah uh you mentioned too you worked at mudslingers the bmx shop that was in plano for a long time and I also just mentioned clothing company, which basically you ran out the back of Mudslingers. Yep. Uh, whatever happened with it, because we uh, that was one of the cool things. We always made our own merch. Yep. Uh, because yeah. we had access to those sort of things. And I, I remember I used to come by and try to help. Not that I know what I'm doing, but I would at least want to be supportive <laughs> to, to try to help uh, do some of the pressing and things like that. Whatever became of the just dissolve it off when when you decided to leave or before uh, it was before that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was right about the same time. I had, I had to make the decision too, cause I was proceeding with that at the same time with the band too. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I remember a couple of nights we were, we remember we were like trying to build like a, a specific, like Lotus flower design. <laughs> yeah. And we made like two or three hoodies. Yeah. That... We made two. Me and Felice were the only ones who ever had that hoodie. 
Uh, mine's long, long been destroyed. She might, uh, she might have hers to be honest, but there's only that one in existence. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I remember that night still, like vividly. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, you know, ran clothing company out of the back of the shop there. Um, it was pretty much a self-sustaining kind of deal. Like we didn't really make a ton of money. It was really like anytime we did side projects, that money would go directly into like buying more stuff to do the next project or, yeah. you know, everything it was like else. like a build to order kind of thing too, right? Like people would be like, I need this. And you're like, well, here's what it's going to cost for me to get the materials and press it. So yeah. it kind of, like you said, self-sustaining. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty lo-fi. I mean, we had no, no business sense. We didn't really do anything like appropriately by the books. It was just kind of like, <laughs> figure it out. And at that time, right about the time that I was getting ready to leave, uh, my buddy, um, decided that he asked me, he's like, do you want to like actually start to like, we can legitimize this business a little bit more. We'll get accounts and figure all this stuff out instead of just running it under our tax ID numbers individually or whatever. And I was like, yeah, about that. (laughs) Uh, I'm, you know, I told him, I was like, I'm, pretty, pretty much like going to be moving for sure. And I think this is something that's probably going to be a point that uh, I didn't really want too many anchor points to have to resolve in the end, like quickly. Right. So I was just like, let's plan for this now. Like I just pass everything to him. Did you own central clothing? Yeah. So it was uh, Justin, my buddy, Justin and I uh, ran that. Yeah. You know, it just started as like a fun thing to do for like, did, that's a, like did you shop. own the logo. Like, did you own the, that IP though? Yeah. Yeah. The okay. website, the logo, like all the branding, like, uh, we created that from, from nothing. And is that, did you, is that what you def- give him? Like you default to like, you're just the sole owner now, or do you still own that? Uh, I don't think we ever even did like an actual transfer or anything <laughs> like that. I was just like, I'm going, it's all yours. You know, <laughs> that's fair enough. Uh, yeah. Verbal, and I, verbal I just told them I didn't really want to take anything from it, you know, like because we had just put everything back in, we weren't like taking profit from it necessarily. Yeah. So that's kind of that's what we do with the band, too. Like any money we made just went back into the band trying to make it as self sustainable as possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's basic the same, same premise for all of it. So I just, I just said, you can take it and he's taken it and turned it actually into like, that's what he does full time as does screen printing and does hats and, and, and you know, is it still apparel. central clothing? Yeah. I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So he's still, still kicking and still doing the same stuff, still same logo. Um, occasionally we'll do branded stuff, but does a lot more like unique stuff for people who come in and want to special order things. So yeah, I ended up kind of folding that side. Funny enough too, there was a time period where I could have owned the bike shop as well. Cause that place was going to close and the owners there, because I had been working there for working there and then riding for their shop for like yeah. 10 years or something. Uh, they were like, you're the only person that cares about this place more than anybody else. We know. Do you want it? <laughs> do you, like, do you want to like take over the business? And I was like, no, <laughs> I was just like, it's not something that I, I ever like really like it was enticing at first, you know, cause like oh, yeah. I could own a bike shop, but I was also kind of like not, a good time right for me to even think about taking on something like that well not for nothing also there's a reason they're getting out right yeah yeah they were all in the same boat too you know yeah. it wasn't really like a booming bmx has never been like a 
a booming right. industry. It's always pretty fringe. Yeah. Skating has been far and away, like way more uh, profitable. Yeah. And it'll go through like little peaks and valleys of like how popular and how, uh, how much money is coming into the sport. But most often it's, it's just like labor of love. The companies that are in it are because they're rider owned companies and those people rode their whole life and they want to keep that moving, but they're scraping. Most of those companies are scraping. Right. So, yeah. So that makes sense. So we kind of basically sever all ties from here. Uh, we went in and recorded our last album, and then uh, it must have been while we were in the in the, about in the middle of recording our album that you, that's when you finally got a job in California and were going to be leaving. Um, I'm trying to think. I think I don't even think I had the job yet. I think it was like I knew that I was at that time like applying like crazy. Okay. I mean probably hundreds at that point in time of like yeah. sending stuff out and getting nothing back. But I was dedicated to it. You know, like I was saying before, if I'm in it, I'm in it a hundred percent. And I just felt like if I'm going to be serious about this, I need to brush up on some things that I don't know with my career. And then I need to be putting more time also into like chasing this stuff down yeah. if I'm going to make it happen. And I'm say, it, there's also a piece of like, sorry to cut you off, but there's also a piece of manifesting as far as being like, all right, I can't be looking at this and maintaining this here. I need to at least set the intention, hey, I'm leaving this just so you know, so that I can focus on this. It's kind of opening yourself up to the universe to kind of point you in the right direction, right? Yeah, you're kind of teeing everything up, yeah, know, so yeah. to speak. And I, I felt that was that was pretty much it. You know, I think I, I kind of felt like, you know, despite being really happy with the record, playing the double door and, yeah. you know, going through that and being excited about that, I think my heart was in that spot where I was like, I, I need to, I owe it to myself now to like push this side and see if I can make this happen. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the longer time went on and I wasn't doing something in my career is the longer that somebody hiring me is going to look at like, what did you do for these four years Right. when you should have been doing <laughs> progression on your career? You know, like yeah. we can hire somebody else that we can pay less and knows more and that was also a fearful point for me too i was like right. i have to take action so it's one of those industries where you have to stay fo uh, current so there's always a learning curve because it's changing so fast right oh yeah yeah i mean with technology especially i mean it, i think you're hard pressed in any industry now to to not be in that situation where yeah. you got to keep learning and keep growing the value that you can provide as right. an employee because it changes and nothing is given, you know, like I, throughout my whole career, I've, I've come and gone from jobs where what I know now and what I do now is vastly different. And I yeah. never would have projected that this is where I would be. Like if I left school and told you like, oh, this is, that's the job I'm going to do. It is totally different. It is right. unbelievably different. So, and that's only just a byproduct of another point, you know, we had talked about earlier was all you can do is respond to the world around you. Most of the time, you don't necessarily right. have full control over like the vast majority of those things, but you can work toward it. You know, like you're yeah. saying, you can kind of tee it up and kind of like manifest this idea of I'm going to do everything I can to prepare myself for this moment that I want to happen. There's no guarantee it's going to happen but I'm yeah. going to try like hell to make it. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, so at this point, then we've 
recorded the album. The album does sound great. It's on it's on Amazon and Spotify. I'm not gonna tell you the band name. <laughs> <laughs> Worst promoter ever. <laughs> We're not getting anything out of it at this point. It doesn't no. matter. Uh if anything, go listen to Short of All's album, last album. It's on there also. <laughs> but then uh we do our final shows. We play the double door, we did our final one at uh Howie's uh with all of our friends, and it was awesome. And then you go to California. What was your experience in California like? That was another uh, great unknown kind of moment. You know, it was like you you want something to happen. And yeah. just like the band, like you get into the band and you're like, I feel ill-equipped right now. <laughs> you know, you're like you wanted it. And now you have that. And now you're now you have to grapple with like, now I have to make this work. Yeah. Um, and for me at that time. California is expensive, always kind of has been. I went in and I think like the pay that I negotiated was poverty level (laughs) at best. It was like super, super bad. Yeah. But I was just excited just to be there and to have an opportunity. And I'm like, I'll, I'll move on from here. You know, I just needed a a doorway to get here. Did you have a place secured already or did you kind of show up having to do something? Uh, So basically growing up, um, my buddy Garrett and his family, um, his family is I had like a part of them live in California uh-huh. and we stayed at their, uh, beach house when oh, we nice. were staying there, uh, because Kate had actually been like one of the initiators of like, Hey, after Vegas, let's go to San Diego. We can stay at my aunt and uncle's place. Yeah. So five of us left that show in Vegas and then went, to uh stay in ocean beach and through them uh because i had met a few of them early on in life like because i'd known garrett since junior high yeah um they were just like hey if you ever want to come out you know like i told them i wanted to move here uh or move to california and they were like hit us up you know you can always we'll figure something out we'll try to help you as much as we can and i was kind of like yeah you know people say that Right. And then I ended up talking to Lori, which is Garrett's aunt um, and uh, Kate's aunt. And she had called me one time just out of the blue. And she was like, hey, you were talking about this, like moving out here, like whatever happened? Like, are you doing it? Are you making steps? And I was like, she had no reason to call me, no right. reason to like poke and prod and like try to push me to keep moving. But um, she told me her story growing up, you know, it was kind of similar. She found her way to California, uh, in a similar fashion. And she's like, you know, if you come out here, we'll, we'll try to pull some strings and see if we can help you. So I ended up living with, uh, their daughter and her roommate, uh, for like the first couple of weeks until I could find an apartment. Yeah. And then I ended up moving to a place that was like two blocks away, uh, for a property that, um, there it's like uh, Lori's husband um, was like managing. He was like caretaker of like the property there. Uh, and uh, so he's like, Hey, these guys are having somebody move out. There's it's two dudes. They're kind of about your same age. Would you be interested in checking that place out? So talk to them right away. Uh, clicked with those guys and then moved in with them. So two roommates, two brand new roommates, completely foreign situation, making dirt money, 
<laughs> living in uh, Ocean Beach and being excited, like not not thinking about any of the negativity or like the reality of like financially, like I just blew a bunch of money to move here. Right. I have almost no money <laughs> and then I still have to try to make this work. Uh, and yeah, it just, it just started to kind of slowly feel more manageable over time. Yeah. Now you didn't stay in California. Like how long did you stay there? Cause it was only a few years, right? Uh, I stayed in California for 10 years. Well, I guess it was 10. That's a long time. Yeah, just about, just just short of 10. So it was like 2011. And then I left like right before COVID. Uh, yeah. I, and it was funny, like you were one of the first people I saw when I came back. Because <laughs> we went and saw Adam's Bandit. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was like literally like the day before everything shut down. Like you literally brought it with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We traveled cross country. We moved and I was just kind of like, yeah, cool, man. I'm going to be able to see all my friends and hang out, catch up with everybody. <laughs> that like second night went and met up with you and Jason and a couple other people. And I remember everybody kind of being like, we probably shouldn't be here. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first time where we were like, we're not supposed to do this. And then everything locked down within a week. <laughs> Yeah. And then that changed it. Cause I thought I was going to be back home in Illinois for like a short stint, you yeah. know, until I figured out where I was going to go. I was just waiting to click up on a job. And then at the time I, I was looking at Colorado, I was looking somewhat in Chicago. I didn't really want to work in Chicago, but I was like, I don't have a lot of options right now. So we'll see how it goes. That turned into like pretty much like a year. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then and then I ended up getting a job in California again, which was super weird. Like a recruiter hit me up, uh, and I had decided to go on a trip after like the brunt of COVID, uh, and just to go. Hey, I'm just gonna go to California and visit with some friends just for like a month. Yeah, just drive, keep it low budget, and went and visited Jay when we drove through Colorado. Um, and for years before that, even when I was in California, I had talked to Jay probably like to a point where he was probably like, Oh God, just move here already. Quit talking about it. <laughs> and, uh, we passed through and I kind of got to see a little bit more of it. Obviously went there for the wedding for his wedding, but passed through, went to California, started this job and they were still totally remote. And when I went back, the price of real estate and the cost of living had gone up like 14 or 15% in just one year. And in, it was already unaffordable. In California? Yeah. Wow. It was, it was insane. Yeah. And there was no availability. So for four months I stayed with my friends in Orange County trying to find a place to live. Um, and nothing was available. Every apartment complex was like, there's a huge waiting list jump on it. We can't tell you like a time window and everything was like exponentially more expensive. Yeah. So I, I started talking to the, uh, the people I was working with and they were like, well, we're thinking about going back into the office, but we might not. And that was at the time where like there's different variants and stuff. Right. You know, they'd be like all hopeful. We're going to go back to the office and then new variant. Yeah. No way. We're not going back. So I finally was like, dude, I'm, I can't keep, staying at my friend's house. Can I just be remote and can I just move to Colorado? And they finally agreed it, uh, agreed to do that. Um, 
and then I moved like two years ago, moved out here. So is that the job you still have? You're remote uh, in Colorado, working in California? Nope. Uh, so <laughs> I am remote, uh, but the company I work for now is in Madison, Wisconsin, and it's uh, you totally, dick. <laughs> yeah, totally different company. Uh, Way back but, out here in the Midwest, and you get to stay in Colorado. You're a real sucky shit, pal. Well, you know, <laughs> that's I, I awesome. Really, Pulled some strings to make that one happen. So yeah, good uh, on you for sure. <laughs> yeah, the the other place I worked with, they were they were good for about a year, and I just kind of felt like I I needed to kind of move on from there. It was it was a good opportunity to kind of like you know save some money back up, get more experience. It it it, it segued me into that whole idea where you know when you're saying like you have no idea where you're going to end up in your yeah. career. It just kind of like presents itself and you go, eh, maybe I'll do that, you right. know? And so this healthcare company hit me up or it was a design company that works in the healthcare space. So they were my entry point into the job that I have now. And I work for a company that does um, diagnostic testing for early cancer detection. Wow, nice. uh, and that's kind of been like a thematic part of my career. I've always tried to to work with companies that I feel like are doing good and not just like, yeah. Hey, I work for Coca-Cola, you right. know, yeah. or like Marlboro or something like that. Yeah. I could do that. I for sure could do that, but I'm not aligned with any of the business practice or like the product or anything like that. So right. I have worked at nonprofit environmental company, um, a couple of design agencies that were good opportunities for me to learn more and, you know, get to where I am now. Um, but the last two have been healthcare oriented and it's really more about just how do we help people discover if they either have cancer early so they can get on it and take care of it before it becomes a big problem or do early testing and find out that they're good to go. So it's been, uh, it's been a good opportunity. They're super cool with us working uh, remote and it gives me a good opportunity to kind of explore and figure out, you know, is Colorado right? Do I want to move somewhere else? What financially makes the most sense? And to be honest with you, I still don't know. So. Really? What would you say? Like, you're, obviously, you've spent the most time in the Midwest and a pretty decent, a huge chunk in California. Uh, and still only, you're still in the, you know, the infancy of being in Colorado. Do you still feel like you're not sure, really? Uh, I think as I've gotten older, I have really settled into this idea of never say never sure you know and uh you're a pull somewhere else though or like at least an, i'd like to see what this is like in other yeah, places I, I don't necessarily at the moment and that's why it's like this very like neutral point like where this feels good and yeah. i'm not making any kind of declarative statements like i did when i moved to california like when i moved to california i was like I'm never going anywhere else. Yeah. So when I like, went I'm to Colorado, I felt like you like you were talking about you and Jay on the beach when I was in Colorado. I was like, this is an option. This doesn't make sense. Nobody yeah. lives here. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, you know, like you stay somewhere long enough, you figure out the things you do and don't like about it. And for me, the non-negotiables, obviously California was great for a lot of reasons. Um, yeah. Weather being probably the biggest. Um, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of exposure to stuff, but also the worst part about it, a lot of people. <laughs> uh, right. The further I moved towards LA, because I, I spent the first half of like the 10 years roughly in San Diego, and then I spent uh, the the second half in Orange County, and it was 
getting closer to LA and Orange County was not my favorite place. I met a lot of really great people. Um, you can meet awesome people everywhere. And I think that's like a huge selling factor for where you either want to stay somewhere or you want to leave if you don't feel like you found a good click. Yeah. Especially with like a group like our friends, like our, yeah. our homies. That, I was like, going to say, is that hard coming from where we come from? And because like, stereotypically, as you get older, it's harder to make friends, right? Yeah. But like, so is, is it, was that a huge transitional piece that was a challenge going to these different places and trying to fit into a group? I mean, you're a naturally charismatic, friendly person, like anybody would be friends with you, but did you feel that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that was, you know, when you have like a, not in like a super negative way, but like a comparative analysis of like, this was my friend group, you know, yeah. like back home, which was just an insane posse of people that were addicted to going to shows and having a good time. Um, that is a hard thing to beat when you're accustomed to that, you know, and like the openness and the the inside jokes and like the unsaid just camaraderie that's like part of that whole group and then you try to go find new people uh it's tough um i was fortunate to know a couple people when i moved to san diego that i could kind of like jump into their group and meet more people through that i'm not like a naturally like uh i'm not somebody that just goes out by myself you know like i'm borderline hermit sometimes (laughs) right uh i'd rather work on stuff and learn uh than just go explore sometimes i need to get better at that it sucks especially as, as i get older like you said it's it's not getting any easier to find good people yeah but yeah that was that was one of the biggest sticking points and again i, I kind of circle back to this idea of if anybody's having a problem with that try to find something that has a community built into it already you know like a sport or like music or something like that where every week there's a group of people that meet up and, yeah. and hang out and it's around like a common bond yeah at least you have a built-in like something that you're passionate about yeah yeah so in california um i call them my cali fam up in uh orange county there's a whole bunch of people we ran into through bike riding and we got really tight with them um but going to colorado you know i obviously knew jay and I feel like the more time I spend here, the more I find out there's more and more people from Oswego here. There's quite a decent little handful there. It's crazy. It's uh, so I, I don't know if you remember uh, my buddy Pat Gilbride. Oh, he yeah. lives out here. Oh, nice. You know, Jake. Jake's out uh, there. Um, Amy. Uh, uh, yeah. See, I could see you. She's got a real nice community with the rock climbing. And I could see you transitioning to that if you weren't like. If you were able to do it, I feel like you would enjoy that. Yeah, a guy with a busted shoulder <laughs> is not going to be climbing anything anytime soon. What I'd like, you're at least uh, tied to it, so if you fall, you'll just bounce softly off the rock. Oh man, I'm ter- terrified, <laughs> uh, and rightfully so because actually, when I was younger and I traveled to California, we were in Boulder with or Colorado um, with my family when I was younger. I saw a dude fall off a mountain. Oh my god! And he was rock climbing up in uh, Boulder Falls. And was he free climbing, like with no gear? No, they were they were roped in. But the, his partner, I don't know if like a, a something broke loose, like yeah. for the hold, or if they had too much slack in the line or something. I don't know enough about climbing to tell what yeah. happened. But uh, we saw a dude. He was probably like 
80, 90 feet up, fell and hit the ground. And my dad was there as like one of the first responders while we're waiting for the paramedics. And that sound sticks with you forever. It's terrible. So I've already, despite, you know, riding BMX and snowboarding and all that stuff, like heights are terrifying. And that was like a clincher for me and go, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to do that. (laughs) Yeah, that would be too much. I wouldn't be like, no, I'm yeah, I agree. I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, it's been crazy. So been hanging out with that whole crew, some of the Oswego crew out here. Uh, But I still, I would say I'm looking for like a, a, a larger group you know, to kind of yeah. tap and be able to hit up multiple people here and there to go hang out. It's not the same. I don't expect it to be the same because sure. it's just different dynamics, different time period. Right. People have kids and families and lives and stuff. But yeah. uh, it would be nice to find a another core group. Yeah. Do you think you'll do music again now that you're kind of in Because Col- I know Jay's in Colorado there, obviously, and... Uh, uh, what's his name? Orca and Mark are out there. Those guys are awesome. And they're really good musicians also. Uh, do you think you'd ever go back to maybe working on some stuff? We jammed a bunch of times. Like when I first moved, we jammed a pretty good amount. Um, and then I kind of, I hit a point where I wasn't fully feeling invested in it. Sure. Uh, and, yeah. you know, I just, if again, if like, if I don't feel a hundred percent, I'm not going to, proceed do you do anything casually like i feel like we're at the age where anything we're going to do that in that realm is going to be pretty casual right uh maybe i need to be better about that i don't know (laughs) i I just feel like if i'm putting time in i'm 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 going to be putting some serious time in so sure um i i've been thinking about it a lot lately i obviously have some equipment i've got a good recording mic i got good dynamic mic and some other options here um my brother gave me a guitar again. And if anybody knows my history with guitar, I've probably <laughs> bought five and I still can't play. Uh, and I've sold all of them over the time period. Yeah. So I've been thinking about being a little bit more uh, diligent about learning so I can write more and be more helpful aside from just melodies and lyrics and Right. Kind of like from that standpoint and just trying to go, how can I actually like get to a point where I can write and contribute a little bit more? Um, possibly thought about joining up with some bands uh, just casually, even if it's like, you know, my brother and I were talking about doing open mic nights and things like that a little bit yeah. more low key uh, and less time intense. Right. But other than that, uh, I tried in California. I tried with a couple different bands and then Dave, Dave and I passed tracks back and forth and recorded a couple songs, but uh, nothing, nothing super pressing right now. Yeah. So it's kind of how I feel like we jam off and on since AP has gone away and it's, uh, it's awesome. And it's fun, like down in the basement, but it's like, we're at that casual level for sure, which I get, they've got their families, uh, both of them. And I'm still just floating around. <laughs> Uh, pointing in different directions. I play a lot of board games now. That's the stuff I focus on. <laughs> We're adults, Tim. This is uh, yeah. What a, <laughs> I use the term for loosely, but I guess we are. <laughs> uh, so have like, you guys been working on like uh, actively like working toward building like a group of songs that you would record or anything? I mean, we've probably got uh, 
six or seven songs that are like thought that are solid and done. It's just a matter of like who's you know none of us can sing and nobody wants to sing and we're so spoiled with always playing music with our close friends like nobody wants an outsider. Uh, years ago, like after AP was like first over, uh, we all kind of came back together when Dave got married and we were jamming with Jillian and she was singing with us. That was awesome. But even that, like, cause she's also married and has, you know, three kids and stuff like that too. So it's like, eventually everything just kind of goes by the wayside. I think, well, I think I still got another run in me. Like I'm sure we'll get together and hit it at some point. Uh, leisurely. I don't care about playing shows at this point. Yeah, but like getting into the basement is fun. Recording is fun, you know. And we have access to so much stuff; it's like a shame that we don't take advantage of it. Oh, and the technology is so much better now too. I mean, remember we had those those like old eight track recorders (laughs) that were just like cumbersome to use. They're very analog, and then now you can record something that's like infinitely better, and it's it's the size of a a lunchbox you know and it's yeah. like your entire rig is there and it's pretty awesome yeah it's pretty awesome what uh what do you think is next for you i mean you know you're, like you say you're settled in colorado for at least the foreseeable future uh you got a you know decent job going on uh man do, do you maybe you don't want to talk about this which is 100 percent fine do you, you don't have a girlfriend right or a significant other no, not right now. I, I, I was talking to somebody the other day. I like, I feel like I've only ever seen you have one relationship in my life. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I've been a very career-driven person and yeah. very like. It, th- this goes back to what you're saying. Did you ever do anything like not 100? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, that, that's probably a big component of that. I'm like, uh, yeah. you know, I'm always like fixated on what you're focused on, right? I'm moving, I'm doing something else, you know, whatever. And if I'm in it, I'm in it. Haven't put as much time into the relationship bucket over the years. uh, Is this something that you think uh, you're interested in? Like, obviously if it happens, it happens, but like, is it something you're like, it'd be nice, I guess. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, that's, I think I, I, most people would feel that way for sure. Uh, But it's not turned off. Like some people have had a bad enough experience where they're like closed off which I think is weird. Like you can have a bad experience and it doesn't mean every single experience is going to be bad, but I also understand people have been through some traumatic things. Yeah. I mean, no, no trauma on my side. Um, I pretty much, I mean, I would say I could complain about some, some relationships in the past, like everybody's got their grievances or whatever, but absolutely, you know, you don't take that shit with you. You take the good stuff and you learn just like when we were talking about, songwriting you know yeah take that with you onto the next song and make that song better so yeah um yeah i mean it's it's something that i've you know put time into and like try to do more i would say more casually than anything else i don't have like a crazy internal clock or desire like i don't feel like i'm like super missing out right you don't have anxiety about it right there's no urgency i think is the biggest thing you know because like people will tell me that be like you don't have kids. You don't have a wife. Like, <laughs> you know, my, my, my mom and dad will be like, yeah, we, we kind of want grandkids, but no, we're just joking. I'm like, no, you're not. Yeah. It's always guys- funny to me too, that people usually go to the kids part first. They don't care that you're in a happy relationship or oh, yeah. a supportive relationship. They're like, what do you mean you don't have kids? Like I can't even get somebody that doesn't annoy me enough to want to be around me or vice versa. I can't even be thinking about having kids. 
Yeah, that's that's a very like pragmatized way of thinking about it too, and that's kind of how I am. I I definitely I it's like that question is not even on the table until you meet the requirements of is this person compatible with me? Do right. I feel like we're aligned? Do I feel like financially it makes sense? Do I feel like you know, is this the right person to do that with, you know, and I don't think a lot of people give that as much thought as they should. Some people get really yeah. swept by like a new, a new romance or something like that. And then well, they're like, Oh, I'm gone. Yeah. It's beautiful to get swept up, but at the same time, like, and I think a lot of people get lucky because we evolve constantly, right? Like day to day, week to week, year to year. And I think if you plug in, sometimes you can, you're lucky to evolve together, right? As a couple and individuals to whereas like, I feel like I've, especially the last handful of years, maybe you agree, I've been so focused on evolving as myself and coming to a place that makes sense. Like now is the first time where I'm like, oh, there's space here for somebody to even plug in and evolve uh, with me. Yeah. No, I think you hit it on the head too. Cause it's like that. And I think is that's a component of every relationship that I think should be focused on yeah. as like a, like a milestone too, is like, you know, get through the initial you meet and you're enamored with each other and you think it's cool or whatever, but like having the opportunity to like grow together yeah, and figure out like, is that going to last? Are you going to be able to weather the inevitable shit that you're going to have to go through? Because every single relationship, regardless of how good it is, you're going to go through it. And right do you have the confidence in that person that they're going to see you at that same level and go, can we work through this? Like, how do we work through it? Or is it agreeable how we're working through it? Or does one person shut down while the other person is like active or vice versa? And so many components of that. But I think like the, the maturity of the situation uh, contributes a lot to people that stick together. You know, I, I, I mean, everybody, that's been a relationship long-term. I'm sure there's going to have moments where they're like, I wanted to murder this person. You know, like this <laughs> nah. is not, there's, there's moments where they don't like that person, but they yeah. have redeemable qualities where they're like, yeah, I still love that person though. Sure. So. I feel like if you put two egos in a room, no matter who they are, eventually it's going to be like, this person's annoying. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Everybody needs their space. That's why uh, I think the, uh, I heard this, this whole analogy of like, filling up your happiness buckets, right? Yeah. It's like, you got to have hypothetically, let's say like four or five, you know? So they're different facets of your life, whether it's like hobbies, sports, things you love to do, your friends, and then your relationship. So many people put all of their, their hopes and their dreams and like they're, they, they're all, it's all contingent on that relationship. Right. And when that falls apart, their whole world feels like it falls apart. Yeah. And if you don't foster all those other components of your life, that's when you end up in trouble. So I, yeah. I think having the clarity of mind like that as, as an older person now, older person elder, <laughs> yeah. uh, is, is something that's exciting. You know, anytime you get into a new relationship and you have that like clarity to go, I'm looking at this from a perspective that I never did the rest yeah. of my life before that, that I think is beneficial. So. Yeah. I think that's really smart. Uh, it's definitely not necessarily always easy to do, but definitely, uh, like you said, it's not that we're, what did you just say? We're not old, we're older, older people. Older people. <laughs> Sounds like there's still life in that as opposed to elderly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, 
it's an interesting learning point, you know, and uh, I'm sure it'll shift throughout my whole life too. I mean, that's the beauty of life, right? It all shifts. (laughs) What do you think is next though for you? What do you, Mm. what's on the horizon or what are you brainstorming? Uh, I'm a nerd. I'm, I'm like a giant nerd. I lately, me too, Ben. Uh, part of part of looking in the mirror and going, wow, there's a lot of gray there. I'm going, maybe I should plan for retirement. Maybe I should uh, <laughs> read more financial books and get serious about some long term planning. You're so um, annoyingly practical and smart. It's annoying. It's, it's yeah. I'm I'm, I'm Millhouse. Um, <laughs> it's stupid uh, to a fault. Like I read and research everything uh, to no end before I make decisions most of the time. Uh, so at this point, uh, I'm just focusing on my health and obviously getting my shoulder better, getting back to a good point there, um, maintaining that. Yeah. I think, I think music has been like one of the things that is kind of like on this tipping point where I go, as I've been injured by my various hobbies, maybe I should adopt a hobby that isn't quite as abusive, at least, uh, (laughs) physically, maybe emotionally. Right. Um, so maybe a little bit of that as far as like staying here, uh, foreseeable future i feel like i'm staying in colorado i don't have any reason to leave um i think you you talked about is there any pull from anywhere else at this point in time not really i don't have anything that i'm like pointing to that feels like a logical next step for any one reason or another it's but i also have the openness of mind to go i want to explore some more places because i'm probably gonna expose some things that i wasn't even aware of that i go oh i could do that yeah so, yeah, I don't yeah, know. That's, awesome. yeah, that's really cool. I like the idea of you getting back into singing uh, and talking about like doing more of an emotional thing after you just had this beautiful, poignant look at relationships and all this stuff. And then being, I can't wait for you to write a song about how a girl broke your heart. Oh, yeah, that's coming. <laughs> uh, it's, it's the Taylor Swift writing method, man. Yes. Uh, if you date her, you're going to end up in a song. So I think that's the mistake that everybody that dates a musician ends up making. They go, as if it's, yeah. if it's somebody that's writing lyrics, and you're, you'll find your way in there. Oh, there's a couple of girls we know that are in a couple AP songs, eh? <laughs> you, you said the name. You broke the rule. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. all right. If you search AP on the internet, you're not going to find anything. Yeah, they'd be like, "What is what is AP? Wasn't there AP classes, advanced placement? Yeah, advanced classes. Placement. Yeah, yeah." But all right, is there anything else you want to talk about? Not much, man. Just super stoked to see you and hear yeah, from you. Too, you man. It's so good the to talk opportunity. to you. I feel bad for everybody else because I've gotten to look at you this whole time. God damn it, you're a beautiful man. No, you should. You should <laughs> feel. I've I've been like a. A mess over here the last couple of days post surgery. So yeah, but still, I mean, for just coming out of surgery, like it was adorable watching you put your headphones on with one hand. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> it's like watching a child. <laughs> yeah, but all right, that's that's good, man. I appreciate you coming on, finding the time. It means the world to me, and uh, we'll call it there. Love you, buddy. Love you too, man. Good talking to you. Sure. Yeah. Later.